can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! Well, now listen to this. I'm about to interview a serious criminal. A, uh, uh, oh. I, I, we've had to have security outside the studio here or the warehouse uh, in case um, there's an armed incursion. I don't know, but there's, there's, there's cars and uh, armoured trucks and everything. So uh, uh, we're just uh, going to do this with our heart in our mouth and hope everything goes okay. Now, first of all, I must admit, and um, this is how well I'm going these days, I was given a book by, this, uh, by a friend of this person I'm about to introduce, and I lost it. And because uh, I would always do the courtesy of the people we speak to of reading a book if it was written uh, and given to me before I uh, have a chat to them, I th said to my associate here, uh, Sue Stanley, OAM, I said, can you believe I've lost the book? I found it under the seat of my car last night. And I thought, that's how well I'm going. Uh, so I'm apologising in advance that I haven't read the book. I've just jotted, I just flicked through the first couple of pages and underlined some things. But I have with me... Um, uh, uh, Richard Wollstonecroft, yes. who uh, we call Dick, uh, Dick the Muff Man, but uh, we'll call him um, Richard Wollstonecroft for the sake of this. So I'm going to introduce a, this is a political prisoner, um, and she's written a book called Cell 22, and her name is Monica Smith. And welcome, Monica. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, just let me finish this uh, ham-fisted introduction. I, I do apologise uh, that I uh, lost the book, and but I will read it, of course. I've read it, Sam. So uh, no, that's why you're here, Dick. Um, um, I thought it was she, she, she was she. This woman here, sitting opposite me, the cat's mother, Monica. She was jailed as an anti-lockdown protester during the corrupt. This is my words during the corrupt and dishonest Andrews regime. In Victoria, not just because of, uh, I'm not. It wasn't just corrupt because she jailed, because uh, uh, Monica was jailed. But uh, if, uh, despite the uh, COVID saga, everything else that went on in the dishonest and corrupt uh, Victorian government under Mr. Andrews, um, she raised. Have a listen to this. Um, she raised ninety odd thousand uh, dollars for the freedom movement, um, and I think a crowd. Sourcing, crowdsourcing, she raised quarter of a million dollars or quarter of a million dollars was raised for crowdsourcing. So what happened was she, uh, when the government found out that they didn't have really a case uh, after incarcerating her, they dropped all that, I think. I'll we'll clear that up. This is, they dropped all that and charged her with a different, uh, different crime, um, collecting money under false pretenses because they didn't register as a whatever. So never try and dud the government or else they'll find about eight different ways to get at you. Ask Ian Cook from me, I cook foods that. So there's the most ham-fisted introduction I can give to Monica. It says in the front of her book, which I liked, it says in the front of her book, compliments to the Victoria Police and dictator Dan Andrews for this great story. So, Monica. 
Welcome to You Cannot Be Serious. And uh, as I say, you're a serious criminal put in jail for uh, maybe they said inciting a march or inciting a protest about the COVID saga. How am I going? You're going really well. There's a few discrepancies there. Um, the, Correct them, please. The, well, the the charges that are being laid right now is from Consumer Affairs, and it is simply for not registering a fundraiser. Yep. There is no questions about you know fraudulency or anything like that, um, and that and that's all it is. And the figure that they have is eighty six thousand dollars. But yes, I wasn't. I was charged with two counts of inciting people to break COVID restrictions. Now, the interesting thing to understand here is that breaking COVID restrictions, even in that time, the, uh, the, the punishment was a fine. So it's kind of like, Sam, I am inciting you to park in a no parking zone. You get a parking ticket and I get a criminal charge for it. It was a loophole in the criminal system. And my crime was that I found loopholes within the restrictions. So I guess we're, we're even there. Um, but they actually didn't drop the charges straight away um, after I got out of... I, by the way, I went to prison because I wouldn't sign the bail conditions. It had nothing to yep. do with the incitement charges. Basically, the bail conditions, I couldn't even speak against the government at the time. That was literally the words. I couldn't speak against the COVID restrictions at all in any capacity, even in my home. And at the time, I had a website that was getting fifty to 100,000 views a day or a week, depending on the situation. Clearly, people needed it, you know. And it was three weeks before mandates and all that sort of stuff, and they wanted to shut me up, so I had to go to prison to not sign those bail conditions. Yep. We appealed the bail conditions... And we won and I got out and I was able to continue to do whatever work I wanted to do. It's fair to say you were, for a while, a political prisoner in this country. Oh, which yeah. Which is kind of unusual. Australia doesn't have a whole bunch of Well, I was just going to say it is extraordinary that we're listening to this in this uh, country, uh, in this state. Uh, th- this is, this is uh, honestly, this is stuff... I know it's a loosely termed uh, phrase of a third world country. This is extraordinary that we're even having this conversation about what went on in this state Mm. by the most corrupt and dishonest state Mm. government probably in the history of the world. Mm. It's such an amazing country, um, Australia. So, yeah, it does feel kind of like a chapter of my life that almost didn't exist. Maybe you feel like that too. So, Monica, don't let... Me make this about me, but you would probably know I was visited by the police uh, on one. Congratulations on this podcast here. I said <laughs> during the COVID lockdown, the ridiculous restrictions about only three people, two people could walk together, but not three. <laughs> you couldn't uh, go five kilometres. Oh, you know, I thought, thought you couldn't go and buy anything unless you were on your own. I, 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 and I said, if ever anyone was going to march about a protest. Uh, I reckon quarter of a million people would walk up Burke Street to the uh, town hall. Well, I had the police visit me the next day and really? saying, uh, w- um, uh, which I put online, uh, they said, um, I'm not blaming the police necessarily. I'm not blaming the police. They said, uh, we're here. Are you ins- are you organising a march? I said, <laughs> no. I said, I'm not. If I had been organising a march on the podcast, I would have said where it was, when mm-hmm. it was, what route we were taking, what we were protesting about, and we'd have some speakers. I just said, if ever Victorians were going to protest about anything and march to Parliament House, this would be the uh, this would be the day that you do it over this. So I was visited by the coppers as well. Um, you nearly joined uh, Monica in jail, maybe there, Sam, uh, for a second. Nowadays, men and women can be in the same jail. So, so it is absolutely extraordinary. I notice uh, someone said um, um, in the forward to your book by uh, Topher Field, mm. he said uh, in the forward, she has no idea what she's getting herself into. 
I would suggest that you probably didn't, maybe you did realise what you're getting yourself into, but never mess with the government. They will, uh, they will round uh, the troops up and go bang with the big stick because they don't like to be embarrassed. I think it was a blessing that I was naive um, because I just wouldn't have done it otherwise. So it all happened very quickly, the, the, my uh, Reignite Democracy Australia. The things that led me to being attacked happened all very organically and naturally because it was just the right time. So I started th that organisation, Reignite Democracy Australia, in August 2020. And that was when anyone who was going to sort of we say wake up quickly. Anyone who was going to wake up was already awake at that point. It was winter in Victoria. We were locked down and I just put together this organisation and I hosted a live stream protest and I said to the people that were commenting, I'll take all your comments and I'll put them into like a, bi a pie graph or a diagram and I'll send it to members of parliament so that they know how people are really feeling. Now, I didn't want to upset anyone so I didn't do an actual protest. I did a live stream protest. That protest had so many views. I've never had a video with that many views and no one knew who I was or what Reignite Democracy is. Australia was so it was just like the right timing you know what I mean and then I put this all this all this data together and I honestly naively thought that members of parliament would be grateful for my service like here's this constituent taking it off their own back to create this situation so that we can know how the people really feel and they never liked me Sam I, I don't I don't understand why I was doing them a favor like um, and that, that's my naivety and it took me a long time to recognise that some human beings are not in it for the people but actually in it for someone else or for themselves and that was hard for me to learn as a kind of a sheltered person being brought up, you know, and, like... So. And the uh, gravitas, if you like, of, of it is, um, is exemplified, if you like, by the fact in light, light of all the, all the misinformation that's gone on about COVID mm. that's since been found out overseas by uh, doctors who are like you, were against uh, uh, whatever the government said they're on about uh, wearing masks and having uh, uh, vaccinations. And in light of um, the nonsense that's gone on about it, uh, it makes it all the more uh, pathetic that this government f led the world in falling over itself. I, I see the health minister, Brett Sutton, has received an OAM. Oh, don't, 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 uh, could don't. you believe? <laughs> don't. Could you I, believe? Uh, no, I Brett, can't. Uh, uh, Brett no. Sutton, who uh, saw I Cook Foods no. out of business, oversaw yeah. that, the demise of a uh, private enterprise uh, uh, chef's uh, organisation, uh, food provider, he saw him out of business. It is extraordinary just uh, what goes on and we become ambivalent, we become, we just become, until something like this comes up, we think, oh no, someone's got to take hold of their country and I always get it back. It was incredibly strange that the idea of locking down, like basically sh shutting down all business, shutting down all commerce, you know, like what are the effects of that? They, they would vastly outweigh the effects of whatever this disease was going to do. And I thought, no one seems to be thinking of this. Well, that's what we were you saying. Yeah. That's what, by the way, I never organised a protest, but I did incite people to break COVID restrictions, and I'll, I'll say that with, with total honour. But um, Guilty as charged. Like we, that's exactly what we were saying. We were mm. saying, if you want to stay in your house, stay in your house. No one's going to stop you from doing that. But there are people who are hurting, and they want to feel heard, so they, ha they have a right to protest. You know, If you want to protect yourself, you can do that. You can close your door, you 
can get your online delivery. No one's going to judge you for it. I'm not going to judge anyone for that. But we didn't interfere with their choices, but they wanted to interfere with our choices. And that wasn't fair. And the things that we said, to be honest, we've been more or less vindicated. And take yeah. Remember, when I went to prison, there was no vaccines, okay? So you've got to think of the timing. The only thing I was protesting was lockdowns and over-control and overreach of the government, these steel boundaries you know around how you know the the city and things like that that's what i was protesting and to this day we've been completely vindicated now once again monica i don't want to uh, counter your uh, situation with things i've done but do. about the same time you did it i got my uh, golf bag and golf clubs and i remember went that, that stood on the steps of parliament house How'd after that go? dan andrews said you can't play golf and, well, I, and, I, and I said... I wish I had known about that. That's God's amazing. Name, I posted it. I said, in God's name, why can't you play golf? You play on your own. You don't... <laughs> the, the rules of golf are that you keep away from people. You're out in oh. the open air. And he said, oh. no, if it saves one life, uh, that's it's worth it that you shouldn't play golf. Golf saves lives. And I went and stood <laughs> on the steps of Parliament House and... Uh, that was crazy, police standing around looking at me and uh, saying, good on you. Uh, and um, I remember so thinking, is Sam Newman in the Freedom Movement? I think he's joined oh, it. He's, a, he's definitely an honorary <laughs> member, I reckon. So, so it, was, it, it was extraordinary, the nonsense. And... You, you you said and everyone said, well, you couldn't go out and uh, buy things unless you and you couldn't walk out with more than two people. At the same time, they were letting council workers and people who worked for the government go and mow the nature strips. Uh, people like um, um, Jim's mowing, uh, people who yeah. worked for couldn't him work. weren't allowed he to go and mow it, yeah. people's lawns, but the council were allowed to go out and do their normal job, garbage. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone was brothels? allowed to go it's out It's the most intimate... If brothels. You, it's mm. the most intimate, <laughs> intimate role mm. in like work, oh, yeah. the workforce, and they were allowed so to. Do Fiona it, Patton so. got that. She was that corrupt. Oh, anyway, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, um, it was ludicrous. Uh, so, so I, I, I haven't read the book, but I flicked through the first few pages, and at, at how you, how you were arrested. This, this honestly, you think you're in Russia. I'll just read the first couple of lines. He said, "This is how you became a political prisoner." Um, You'd just done an interview with Professor Ian Brighthope uh, that you thought was a very good interview <laughs> and you were driving home and in your rearview mirror uh, you noticed an, under cop, uh, an undercover cop flashing his red and blue lights singling for me to pull over. I didn't see at the time but two more unmarked cop cars veered in behind the first. Uh, the, they got out and the, after a random check, he informed me that I was under arrest for incitement. Uh, so people followed you in your car, they pulled you over <laughs> and they said hey, you're under arrest for incitement, following you in your car. It is, you, couldn't, you, you couldn't make this stuff up, although uh, I know it's a, you could make a film. Someone will probably make a film about this, Monica. How, how, you must have thought, what in God's name's going on when the coppers pulled you over? Well, Not I blaming the coppers necessarily. Yeah, no, i got to be honest, there was a few things going from my, through my head. The first thing was I was outside my five-kilometre radius, although I was working, so I, <laughs> I thought it would just be a conversation like, yeah, I'm, I'm outside my five-kilometre. But luckily I put on my live stream just in case. But also, Sam, it's weird, um, I had a dream three days earlier of exactly that happening. I got arrested, I got given bad bail conditions and I went to prison because I didn't sign them. So it's really weird, but I think God prepared me for it and so when it happened, I was really calm and I was like, oh, okay, the dream was real. Crap, here we go. Um, so I was really calm. And to be honest, other people had been arrested for incitement about a year earlier, mm -hmm. Thanos and so forth. They were given bad bail conditions. They signed them and they were kind of 
more or less shut up. So it wasn't completely outside the realm of possibility, to be honest. So I wasn't so like the government was shot. shutting people up by giving them bad bail yes. conditions. Yes. So in other words, one of the things, if you did breach a, one of the ridiculous laws, which were ridiculous, they were like something under the, you know, as Sam said before, something out of the Soviet Union. You can't. What, what difference would it make if you went ten kilometers or five kilometers from your home? I mean, you know, to exercise or whatever, or that you're only allowed out for one hour a day. Things like this. That were this I remember when these rules came. I said, "What the hell is this?" I mean, there were people in in Soviet Russia who were freer than us at that time. Um, anyway, not the Soviet Russia's around anymore. But you know, it was just insane. And I didn't realize they were shutting people up though. Mm. But they were, and that's what you were fighting about when you went to jail. Correct? So I knew exactly what happened, Sam. Is um the year prior to that. I was finding loopholes within the restrictions. So, for example, if you were allowed five kilometres from your house but you're only allowed to exercise and you don't have to wear a mask if you're eating, I would tell people to put on their runners, go to their local members of parliament office with their lunch and in between bites to give the members of parliament. So I would just find these loopholes. I would promote protests and I would say, I am going to report on this protest because I was. So um, I found these loopholes and then one day, I don't know what happened, but I just got sick of playing the game and I promoted a extension of a lockdown uh, protest at Flinders Street and I just said I am going and so should you and like clockwork I think I was hunted down in about five days after that. Well the government said this is their uh, definition it says a person who urges the commission of an offence is guilty of the offence of incitement. That's the legal definition of the crime you are being arrested for. And it was Uh, so bad they dropped them. uh, So bad. Yeah. I'm such a danger to society that they just decided to drop them when it all became a little bit too hard. <laughs> so I don't want to uh, link you to this man because you probably don't like him, but it doesn't matter. The principles are the same. This is what they're doing to Donald Trump over in America. They have charged him with 8,000 things, hoping one of them will stick. None of them, are, uh, none of them have ever been uh, uh, laid on anyone else in the history of uh, the American uh, d- <laughs> democracy, uh, but they just hope that one day, because he's a threat, um, uh, something will stick and he won't be able to run for office. And it's a distraction and, of course, a la- the, the use of resources and mental capacity. It's, 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 all, it's all part of it. It's so, intimidation. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it says here, you, you say this is a blatant intimidation act, uh, mm-hmm. what, what they were doing. Uh, I, I, it says here, um, it says here, um, the real shame is because I, uh, the real shame because I remember trusting the police. You, mm. you got into the stage where you, uh, even though police were acting on the um, instructions, I presume, of the government, um, um, you, you started to mistrust the police. Did you over? just things oh, they were I mean, saying to you or doing. Getting arrested. Some members of the police. Getting arrested. I've had fantastic um, situations with the police, by the way, and I, I agree with you. It's not the police fault, but the fact that they're capable of following such bad um, uh, laws and bad instructions, that is, is, is does fear me a lot. And I've been at so many protests. I've seen people being shot with rubber bullets. I've seen, um, be, I've been tear gassed. I've been all of these things. I've seen old women being pushed over and things like that. So mm-hmm. it is hard to get that out of your psyche. Now, when I was arrested and put in prison, I the worst part about the whole situation was being um, strip searched and asked to open my private bits. And they knew that I wasn't a drug mule. Yeah. They knew why I was there. So yeah. they did it just... Now, I'll tell you, and I'm telling you that because... One, that was my worst part of it. But two, I, I can forgive those cops. I, I can forgive all of them. You know what I mean? But what it takes is some sort of accountability, though, first. It's like someone can't grow and learn from their mistakes if they don't take any accountability at all. So I, I will definitely forgive them. 
Actually, I forgive them now, to be honest. I, I don't hold grudges, but someone needs to apologise at some point. And, and, of course, I'm going to be going after that apology. Uh, yep, don't hold your breath waiting for <laughs> the uh, former Andrews. Oh, not the former. Yeah, the former Andrews government to apologise for anything. They just, uh, they just we can ploughed, wish, on, ploughed on <laughs> uh, a belligerent, arrogant pompous and uh, having no regard for the people that they uh, govern over at all. The, funny, the uh, ironic thing is my, he can't play golf anymore. You know how you couldn't play golf during lockdowns? Now Daniel Andrews can't get that golf membership, remember? Yeah. I think that's why they won't <laughs> let him play because he wouldn't let anyone else yeah. play. So so the book uh, Cell 22 is a, um, as I say, I haven't read it unfortunately because I lost it. Uh, there's, uh, 200 and, uh, there's, uh, there's a whole lot of chapters that specifically uh, identify all the areas that uh, you had to overcome and went through and all the uh, legal uh, um, ramifications of everything. It's a, um, it, it, you must have thought, why am I doing this? Uh, has your, you, you would have had bipartisan support from people in the community, I'd suggest, but have you, been, um, have you got the haters uh, terrorising you? Oh, well... Of course, and when when you put your face out there, it doesn't matter what you're fighting for, you're always going to have people on both sides, you know. But I, I learnt earlier on, and I'm sure you have too, is that um, haters just want your energy and attention. So the best thing to do is ignore them. If and um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot more good people out there that support me than there are haters. So it's I, fine. I was trying to remember some. Uh, trying to remember the someone said this. Um, Never worry about the haters. They're only angry that the truth you speak contradicts the lies they live. Mm. That's it. I heard you say that in another podcast, yes. Yes, I, I'm, yes. I'm staggered I can remember it. Someone <laughs> said, not, not me, I've, I've plagiarised that, I'm happy to say that. Uh, so where are we? I, I, I think you asked currently before the courts, uh, as we speak, was something announced yesterday, was it, or as early as yesterday? Mm, no, wasn't quite yesterday, week. it was very recently, yep. but I was charged about three months ago, but we've just got oh. a trial date. Yesterday? No, no, we just got no, no. We just got a trial date oh, set see. last week, so for oh, well, April 29th. Week. Yes, you are right. And, in that. and this is for um, this about is for the funding <laughs> thing, is it or so, not? Yeah. So this is when I was in prison. My team at RDA, I had eight staff at the time. They put together a fundraiser for my legal costs, and I'm being sued for not registering said fundraiser, mm -hmm. even though I was in solitary confinement. I couldn't even get like. Mm -hmm. A pen, mm -hmm. but how am I going to get these papers to register a fundraiser? Sounds oh. like they what they did to Pauline Hanson at one stage. You remember that she was another political prisoner at one stage. Yes, they accused her of falsely like registering uh, her party, and then she was in. I remember when she was in jail. Yep. All of Australia eleven, got days, she went to 11 days. A lot Australia was very angry, myself included, when that happened. So it's it's again, good though because it does showcase what they're willing to do, and actually it inspires people. So it was really good that she did it does that. Blow and I, in their face, doesn't yeah, it? it does. And I had twenty two days in solitary confinement to finish my book so yeah. they actually the jokes on them they gave me a better story originally i started the book and i was talking about october 31st 2020 i got arrested three times in one day i got put in a divvy van for 45 minutes and not charged and i thought that was a good story sam so i started writing the book and there's a bit of my personal stuff in there as well and then when i got put in prison i was like oh the book just got better and i've got the time to write it so i had to write it Fans, by hand did you <laughs> that's yeah. my that's my um, silver lining on things i just i don't take things too seriously so but i what was i talking about no I was that just at the start just what you, at the yeah. start i said you raised 80, 90 odd thousand dollars is that you just said then that is that what they charge you for not registering yeah. like a gofundme not thing. registering so you're supposed to register 
two weeks before you do a fundraiser, like I knew I was going to get hunted down and arrested, of course. Yeah. I didn't even do the fundraiser. My team did. Um, and so basically what I think is happening is when you look at a news article and you see fundraiser, someone's name and being sued, the first thing you're going to think is that they've done something fraudulent, yeah, right? right? You're not going to read it it's properly and see that it's literally just a piece of paper that I had to fill out. So I can't believe it's going all the way, to be honest, Sam. I have no – I'm not worried at all about the case itself. Um, I'm going to go all the way and see what happens. But every time they do something like this, I sell more books, I get more publicity. So you know what? Bring it on. It's fine. So, so do you think it's in fun. the end they will find a way to back down from all of this? But uh, uh, that's the oh, only yeah. – that'll be the only uh, drawback to anything that you're uh, trying to achieve is that they will try and save face by – they'll end up uh, accusing you of jaywalking just to say they've uh, got – Got you on something. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's because I have two cases where I'm the plaintiff coming up as well, Sam. So July, um, I'm suing them for October 31st, 2020, when they arrested me three times in one day for no reason. So that's going to trial as well in July. And then I've got the trial of me going to prison for no reason. I mean, that's a pretty big trial as well. That hasn't, that's not in the court system yet. So I honestly think it's a, it's a matter of distraction, trying to bleed my resources, mm. my money, things like that. So this consumer affairs thing, the fundraiser was three and a half years ago. Don't you think if, no, two and a half years ago, if they had the proof then, why didn't they bring it to us a year and a half ago? Why did they wait this long? So I honestly uh, think it's a distraction so tactic. So are you allowed now, have you registered to... Um your Reignite Democracy Australia, RDA, are you now to fund the court cases and what you're going to do? Uh, are you now able to legit legally uh, ra- ask for money for people to help you? Um, no, I, 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 don't, I don't take any donations anymore. Um, because I got quite a lot when I and and yeah. that support is it is has been enough and I'm Good. also I'm also selling my book and I'm touring and I'm selling other little knickknacks and I'm doing fine so I don't take any donations anymore yeah, no, and I don't I'm need not them trying so that's to good. So you make money out of it, but no. Uh, but if it, I could, it, I if I wanted to, of course I could legitimately fundraise. Yes, if, yeah, if that was now super. you could because you, could. you could register yourself as a. Go fund me person or something, whatever. Yes, I would know the rules, I guess. Yeah. But um, yes, I, I would be able to. Well, the book, uh, um, as I say, I f- f- very much look forward to reading it. Um, it's, it's sold well, I presume. Oh, look, not really. I mean, look, not I'm, really. what I mean is well, I'm, will, not, will, I'm will. not on Amazon so because I don't want to support them. So it's all yeah. through my website and it's a mum and a daughter who's sending them out. So it's all – the printer is in Victoria. He printed $20,000 worth of um, free protest material during mm, that time. Yeah. So so it's all within Australia. So it's a little bit more shipping and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's $29 and then it's about $11 shipping. So it's a little bit more expensive, right, which is right. annoying. Right. But the tour is when I'm selling most of the books. Mm. So when I go to an event – People well, I've read it, and, and uh, I think thanks. it's one of the best non-fiction books of the year by an oh, Australian. Gosh. And uh, I think um, I remember when Monica was arrested because I was following all this. I was following what you did on the steps of Parliament, Sam. I was following what many people were sort of, uh, you know, questioning what was going on because I thought the lockdowns were insane when they were happening. I couldn't believe they were happening, to be perfectly honest. And I think when you were arrested, it was a real big deal within the freedom movement. And then there was a whole bunch of basically the whole freedom movement in a sense when she was arrested sort of got behind Monica because she became, I guess, the kind of uh, the martyr or the, you know, the Joan of Arc of the movement or whatever. And I remember, you know, a lot of people donating to your, your charity at the time and because uh, we were just outraged that an Australian would, would be thrown in jail for a month 
for basically, and this was around the same time that, you know, also Black Lives Matter did a protest and then Daniel Andrews was out there saying that was okay. You know what I mean? This Mm -hmm. was like, you know, like, Monica would be arrested for suggesting you would have a, a you know a protest about the lockdowns, but then a week later it was okay to have a huge riot I, over Black Lives Matter. I did mention that when yeah. I was asked, there was a, inside, I said no, I'm not. I said, but I notice uh, Black Lives Matter can wander up and down the streets in uh, thousands and thousands, uh, tipping over garbage cans and throwing paint on things, and no one gives a stuff. Uh, <laughs> you must do you keep an eye on uh, the pushback that's going on overseas uh, that is suddenly. Uh, France and Germany and, and these and things. And the United yeah. States. Yeah. And Anthony, oh, yeah. Anthony Fauci and yeah. uh, just what he's been uh, accused of uh, in his... Uh, he's a crook, isn't he? Well, well uh, they well, are yeah, saying that's, he is. That's uh, so thing, you, must, uh, you must gain some support or some um, uh, confidence that, uh, that not only you are pushing back on it, but they People are, are holding up starting to push back on it overseas. People were holding up signs overseas when Monica was uh, in, in jail saying free Monica in yeah, protests. It was very, very touching. Anti-lockdown protests in London and in New York and stuff. Mm-hmm. I saw this on the news myself. Well, seeing the pushback overseas um, is very encouraging because to me it's not really about the movement but it's about humanity and I think that when humans are pushed to the edge just like we were here in Victoria and that's probably why we have the biggest quote-unquote freedom movement per capita in the world because and maybe Canada because we were pushed so hard. When well, you are pushed, it brings out the best in us. Think of our own lives. It's always that way. Do you, guys, do you know the story, Sam, about the Euler's cameras in London? The Yulez cameras. Can I tell you the story? Yes. So um, around London, about a 20-kilometre radius, 1,400 cameras were put in place to uh, to notice cars that were more than five years old. If they crossed that line, they would get charged $20 a day Australian uh, to be in that area, whether you're a courier or you're driving your kids to school, etc. So this is a climate change thing, right? Uh, To combat climate change, money to the government makes so much sense. So anyway, these... People that now are called Blade Runners, they put masks on and things like that. It's an appropriate time to wear a mask, in my opinion. They went and they've destroyed 1,100 out of the 1,400 cameras and they keep getting replaced and they keep getting destroyed. And the reason I'm bringing this this point up is because those Blade Runners, they're unidentifiable, they're probably of all religions, all races, all ages, and they're like, I don't want to pay $20 a day for my virtue signalling. And I realise that virtue signalling is basically free, but as soon as the government tries to shut us up with it or tries to make us pay for it you'll find that humans will come together just like they have in france with with, it's hilarious what they're doing by the way so i have again i'm naive by choice because i want to believe that humans are capable of more than what the mainstream media try to tell us they are and i see that on the ground i'm doing 60 events across australia right now a four-month road trip all around australia in my van i sleep in my van and stuff i slept outside here tonight last night So the point is, I see people on the ground, Sam. Online isn't real. We all know that. But sometimes we forget. When I meet these people on the ground, I'm just so encouraged because they're so hopeful and they're so beautiful. And this quote unquote loosely said freedom movement, we're all such regular people. And I know that we shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but we all do anyway. So let's just admit it. If you're going to judge a book by its cover, when I go to these events, they're just such normal people. They're dressed nicely. They're healthy looking. They've got normal jobs. And I'm just so proud to be a part of this movement because it's absolutely a beautiful community. But and you you you're quite right. We are all law abiding. We don't want to thumb our nose at um, uh, the law because no. if you don't have laws, you don't. If it makes a, sense, you don't have a sensible yeah. society. But um, uh, to 
to have to get vaccinated if you didn't want to, and good on uh, Novak Djokovic, but if you didn't want to get vaccinated but you couldn't go into a supermarket or something to buy mm. something, we were all compelled to do it, even though the, now they say the drug's never been tested and the vaccine and the side effects and the masks are useless and all that. But you're compelled to do it because you can't, you can't operate in a community where the government has such a strong-arm tactic on you. You are a classic case that you think you just, fo- just fold over and say, well, bugger it, I'll do it all, and that, that is in the end what they want. But next time, I think people next have realised that if everyone had held the line at the same time, it wouldn't have happened. So next time, if they try to bring in a digital ID or a cashless society, which to me is laughable because I don't think it's possible, we don't even have reception halfway across. But anyway, if they try to bring in something like that that's mandatory – if all of us say, if enough people say no, it won't succeed. And I think that's a lesson that we've all learned. Well, I was going to say, I know you're not considered a pariah because uh, you have great uh, support through all the touring that you do. Uh, what about the family? I don't know if you've got any children or you're married or what you are, but uh, how has that affected your your you personally and the people who are around you? Well, actually, I'm really glad you said that because I was kind of like trained for this beforehand without realising. I've got no children. I have an extremely supportive family. I still have time to have children, but I think there's a reason why I didn't already. Um, so I've got five, four siblings, 15 nieces and nephews, four great nieces and nephews, and all the adults in the family are all the same as me and they're very supportive. And during lockdowns, I was actually living with about 12 family members, like on a big property. Yeah. And like I said, they just supported me the whole time. I also was doing the live streaming for my church every Sunday. And whether you're religious or not, I was one of the only Victorians that never missed one Sunday service. And regardless of your belief, that's something magical in my opinion. So I had money in the bank. Um, I had just recently travelled for three years alone overseas and that's when I started doing interviewing and things like that. Learned a lot about myself, evolved as a human being, learned how to be alone because I was alone for three years. That's why isolation wasn't so bad. So it's really weird. I was literally prepped for this. If I... The only courageous thing I would say that I have done is listen to the calling. We all get a calling once or twice in our lives or whatever. You can say no or you can say yes. But if I had said no, I would have been a complete wuss, Sam, because I'd had the dream. I was completely prepped for it. I had nothing to lose. I had no one counting on me like young children. People with children should not be running around getting arrested, obviously. I was like the perfect person groomed for this, basically. So I just did what I was supposed to do. But from a personal perspective, I will also say... I'm obviously not a robot. I'm a human being. I'm a woman. And of course, I do have some PTSD when I see police and things like that. Of course, those things happen. During protesting, I remember once I walked around a corner and I saw this all these black dressed up in black clothing cops and I involuntarily wet myself a little bit. And that was involuntary. Like I'm a very... I have many weaknesses, but one of my skills is mental fortitude. My whole family's like that. We just get on with things, yeah? I've been modelled that. But to involuntary wet myself, I was like, wow, this is affecting me in ways that I can't actually compute. Yeah, the so, stormtroopers yes. are there. But, but mm. overall, I was the right person for the job at that time and, my per- and I wanted to find purpose in my life because I didn't have children. I asked God for purpose and bloody hell, he gave it to me. And so in that mission that I was doing at that time, which was trying to give people hope and things like that. Going to prison was actually, I couldn't have orchestrated it any better myself. It was the best thing that could have happened to me at that moment in that role because I was able to network with people like Robert Kennedy Jr., Peter McCullough. People took me a lot more seriously because I had put in my 
foot where my I walked the walk, yeah. you know what I mean? So I was so grateful actually for that experience and I was grateful to make that stand. Mm. And now I'm grateful to use that story to showcase other things and also to use that story to mm. go after them and make a public spectacle of them. So I've been watching Robert Kennedy Jr. who is uh, trying to uh, oppose uh, Dopey Joe. Dopey Joe. Um, uh, the son of uh, Robert Kennedy. Yes. Uh, he's very big on uh, the COVID and uh, the vaccine vaccinations and I know he was on vaccines before that yep. but yeah and I know uh, Mr. McCullough, I've seen, I watch, watch, watch a lot of that. Uh, it's interesting you say, and this, I'm not sure if it happened here, but in the States, the, I was not going to say the mainstream uh, religions, the, the judo, judo, Christian. Judeo-Christian. judo-Christian religions of the Catholics and the Presbyterians and the Anglicans, they weren't allowed to have church service, but I think the mosques just went full steam. I don't think they I think they're just kind of scared to uh, they, to tell them what to do. They're not scared of us, Sam. Like no. When we protest, we can have 500,000 people there and no rubbish, basically. Mm, yep. they, they know that we're decent people. They've profiled us. They yep. know. But if 10 Nazis turn up, they'll shut everything down. Yep. And I don't blame them, by the way. Mm. But, you know, they know that we're just good people. And if Black Lives Matter sympathisers turn Matter. up, uh, uh, no one's game to push back on mm. them in case they're considered xenophobic or racist or whatever, anything that ends in historism. Uh, so... Uh, it's it's great that uh, um, Monica, if you can st- if you can stand the heat, it's great that you're doing for this now. So for we, now, for, for <laughs> now. For now. So yeah. What yeah. do you think of someone like Julian Assange, who's kind of in a sense kind of oh, suffering on a God. on a larger scale? What you went through, because obviously he's kind of a political prisoner, and he's an Aussie as well. Obviously, it's an interesting thing because when I was like, he's obviously been in prison for so long, and it's like. He did something like there's so many there's so much support for him still to this day. People are protesting for him, doing marches and things like that, and it's just beautiful. But he's still there. He's still there, and life still goes on. It's a very weird concept. Okay, so Monica Smith, Cell Twenty Two. You're going to tell us um, uh, where you get this, uh, and I'll just read the on the back cover. I stripped my soul to the bone. There is something. There is nothing left. Uh, unsaid. I just pray I'll never. I'll. I'll just pray it's not in vain, and inspires someone else. So, that's very badly uh, read. Not written. <laughs> very badly. Very well written. Uh, uh, but I'm going to read that again. So I'm going to make, make sure again, show Sam. that I'm partially educated. Take two. I strip my soul to the bone. There is nothing left unsaid. I just pray it's not in vain and inspires someone. Uh, so that's on the back uh, jack cover of the book. And tell us where we get the book, please, and uh, we'll see if we can ramp up some sales oh, beside you. That. So what, where do we get it and what do we do to get it? Uh, monicasmith.com. It's that simple. Monicasmith, S-M-I-T.com. Cell 22. And the reason it's Cell 22, I was in Cell 22 for 22 days and I was released on the 22nd and my courtroom was 22. Oh, oh I just must ask you about jo- going to jail. Uh, just g- g- being in solitary confinement. <laughs> what, 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 is, what is that about? Uh, how, would, how, how did you handle that? Because yeah, well, that's pretty, that's pretty I was in, I was, savage stuff. Mm. Yeah, it sounds bad. Um, but I was in solitary confinement because I wouldn't take a PCR test. Um, that's it. And but it was only supposed to be fourteen days, and then they they stretched it to twenty two, which I don't think they're allowed Are to. Are in a cell for twenty three hours? A oh, day? I wasn't. No, no, I wasn't allowed outside once. I didn't go outside once. There Solitary. Was, there was no window. 
No, there was that, a window, but it didn't open. That is extraordinary. I know. It is. When, when I think back on it, it really is extraordinary. But I did okay. I actually fasted for 12 days. I had to pretend I was eating because they said that I was going psychotic. So I pretended to eat because I wanted to fast. Um, in preparation, I wanted to fast to pray for a good judge. And I got a really good judge, so it worked. But then I also would psych out the nurses and stuff. They would check on you four times a day, same time every day, and you'd know. And so every time they would come, I would be like doing sit-ups or push-ups or something just to like play with their minds. Like, who is this chick, you know? So to be honest, and I was writing. Um, and so I was actually completely fine, honestly. I mean, I like, yeah, maybe I'd have a better case if I was a blubbering mess, but- um, And you were able to reflect upon your whole life and well, which you've two, recorded in yeah, this book, correct? I wrote 202 pages by hand and these days no one writes. So it was really good practice for me. And um, I'm obviously not the audience of my book, but Richard, you've read it. Yep. Do you think that statement on the back, is that a relevant, is that- is that am I over dramatizing the stripped my soul thing or do you, you read think it out? Uh, uh, Dick, you read it out. Sure, mate. Because I've had, I've had two I stripped my it? soul to the bone. There is nothing left unsaid. I just pray it is not in vain and inspires someone. I think this book is incredibly inspiring. Uh, written by a very uh, brave young Australian, Monica, who really, um, you know, took took it took it on the chin, you know, and went to prison to kind of defy um, dictator Dan Andrews uh, during the world's longest lockdown. Remember that people in Victoria here in Melbourne went through the world's longest lockdown. I mean, I'm sure we all remember those times. And this is an incredible book, I think, uh, incredibly brave. And it, it tells you all about Monica's life. And it's quite interesting. There's a lot more to Monica's life than we've discussed on this show. And um, I think it's a really fascinating book and it also mentions many other people from the freedom movement like Topher Field and Morgan Jonas and stuff. So it's really worth um, you know, getting this book and I can, can't recommend it highly enough. Well, that's the best close to the interview. We've, uh, they couldn't do it better. Thank you very much, Monica. Thanks, Sam. Cause you ain't treating me right